0: to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Goes over the middle, wide open across the five. He's in. Touchdown Houston. Fires underneath. This is intercepted. Back to back possessions with picks for this Texans defense. Takeaway number 3 on the day. Game day is every day. 5 nights a week the hits keep on
1: coming.
0: <laughs> now it's Texans all access. Oh, I'll take those highlights after Sunday's game, please. I'll order up some of those a la carte along with a few extra sacks and a few more touchdowns. Thank you very much. Just send me the invoice. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you tonight. It's Texans All Access. As we've been in the building, we've been around the team at practice, and we are ready. To rock on Sunday. John McClain joins us right now. And, gentlemen, I have to apologize for the warmer day today. This is my fault because I'm so fired up. The temperature shot back up to the mid-90s here in Houston. How's it going?
1: It's going great. Great time of the year. Everybody's fired up about start of the NFL season. If the first weekend is anything like what we saw in college football, it's going to be through the roof.
2: What did I tell you what you about do you, not do? What do you not do? You do not tempt Mother Nature. I told uh, you, I told you that the cooler days were not here yet. You wanted to force it, uh, and all of a sudden, what do we get? Mid-90s. I I told you. I told you. This is very few times I will tell you that. But when it comes to Mother Nature, you don't mess with her. Don't mess with Mother Nature. Okay. And
0: don't mess with John McLean. All right. The General is with us. And General... Here we go. It is opener number 21 in Texans history. I was just uh, communicating with Sean Pendergast, by the way. They're going to do a segment tomorrow on the best openers in Texans history. Uh, obviously, the number one opener in Texans history is pretty easy to point out. After that, we can sort of toss these around later if you like. But, John, what is your feeling on this game going in? As you take on a Colts team that has the new quarterback, but he's an old quarterback, how's that going to go? What is your Feeling, your vibe on this thing as we are 72 hours away, less than that from seeing the Texans and the Colts get it on in the opener.
1: Could this be anything like the second best opener in Texans history? They're shocking upset at the Colts and Peyton Manning with second-year running back Arian Foster establishing himself as one of the best in the NFL. And could that be Damian Pierce doing the same thing? Now, that team had a lot of talent, and this team has some young talent, and uh, I think if they were to shock the Colts in the NFL and win, that the running game, specifically Pierce, would have a lot to do with it because they want to control the clock, keep the defense fresh, and keep the Colts' offense on the bench. And I think that if they can indeed establish that run uh with Pep Hamilton calling the plays for the first time since Tim Kelly, that uh that's their best chance to play a close game or maybe – a win last year. You remember this time last year, people laughed about this, but they were about to open the urban Meyer era. Everybody thought urban Meyer was going to do a good job. I believe the Jaguars were favored by six and a half. And of course the Texans crushed them as they did in the second game, and as they have most of the time over the last eight games. But I think it would be great. And uh, if they could pull that upset, but, uh, who knows? A lot of people picking the Colts to win the division. If they don't win the division over Tennessee, some people are picking him to be a wild card.
2: General Shaquille Leonard has not played in the preseason. He's not practiced much, although this week he was back at practice with that injured back he had surgery on. With Shaquille Leonard, without Shaquille Leonard, how, with, with him, what kind of defense do you have? Without him, how much does it change?
1: They have a better defense with him, and people don't realize it. We're talking about Darius Leonard, who's going by, I think, his first name is Shaquille, has nothing to do with Shaq. And um, he was limited in practice, and I think he said he he hoped to play. So yesterday he was full participation. Today he was limited. So who knows? They got a really good defense. They got a lot of playmakers. Starts up front. With DeForest Buckner, they've got good DBs. And Frank Reich has done a good job developing it. They lost Matt Eberflus, their terrific defensive coordinator, to the Bears where he became the head coach. But so much of what they do and so much of what the Texans will have to do has nothing to do with their defense and everything to do with containing Jonathan Taylor, something they could not do last season when they got annihilated twice.
0: Yeah, that was a bit of a problem. And the fact that Ryan is not the athlete that Carson Wentz is, and look, Phillip Rivers is not exactly a guy who scrambles around a lot, but you're feeling on the ability to get to Ryan. If they can get in third and six or longer, the ability for this pass rush, however they put it together because it'll be a heavy rotation, how do you think they get to Ryan? Will they get to Ryan?
1: Oh, I think they'll get to him because Lovey Smith's defense is predicated on getting a quarterback with a four-man rush. They led the NFL in sacks by a large margin in preseason. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with Sunday, but if you look at the players that didn't play in preseason or didn't play much in preseason, and now they've got everybody healthy, I thought Jerry Hughes, who's 34, wouldn't look as quick as he did when he's playing running back in high school here. I thought that was amazing, the quickness he showed against the 49ers. And then you've got veterans, Shane Green, Mario Addison coming off the bench. I'm curious to find out if Kurt Einish, Big Einesh, is going to be active because they got a lot of defensive linemen. But all I know about that kid is he made plays. He made plays in the backfield in preseason. I'd want to see if he can do it in regular season. So I would have him active because it's all about up front. Can you stop the – can you put heat on Ryan because you know where he's going to be. Not going to be rolling right or rolling left. He's going to be standing in there, throwing the ball, probably trying to throw it down the field to test the uh, rebuilt secondary early and often. But the key is the Texans have to win the battle up front on both sides of the ball to have a chance to pull what would be a monumental upset.
2: General, you've talked about the Texans winning this game, heading up to it. A, do you feel that's still the case? B, you talked about it a little bit right there uh, at the very end of what you were just saying, but what's the formula for the Texans to win this game? I mean, obviously, we'd love to see four or five turnovers and, and all that, but if things are fairly reasonable, they get a turnover here, turn turnover there, what's the formula for the Texans to win this one Sunday?
1: They would have to run the ball with Damian Pierce and control the clock, not turn it over. They would have to get pressure on Matt Ryan, force a couple of turnovers, and then they would have to contain because they're not going to stop Jonathan Taylor. There was a game last year where they had him corralled, and then he had, what, an 87-yard run that wasn't a touchdown. You know, they can't allow him to do that. I think if they could keep him under 100, it would be good if you have him somewhere in 70s or 80s. Then that means they're having to throw the ball, which means they're behind. And then if the Texans were going to win – it would be a close game. So Kaimi Fairbairn would have to connect on his field goals. There's times when Fairbairn kicks, and I'm confident he can make it, like I'll go get something to drink. But now I want to see it because I don't have the same confidence as I did because he was kind of inconsistent last season.
0: Well, we'll see how it works out, and uh, you'd love to not have to rely on field goals. You'd love to finish these drives, and speaking of that, you mentioned Pep Hamilton, John, and I'm excited to see what he brings to the table here. He talked about the fact that he evolved as a coordinator while he wasn't a coordinator, well, was one in college, but between his stints as offensive coordinator with Indy and now, and you talk to a lot of the Indy media, they feel like he got a raw deal there, uh, in 2015, but what do you expect from him? What wrinkles? How will it be different than what he did before?
1: Well, he was fired in the middle of the season, and then the next week, Andrew Luck suffered that serious injury to his spleen. And I don't remember ever getting a, a, a good explanation of why Pep Hamilton was fired. And that was so long ago, it's not a big deal to him, but still, there's a team that did fire him, and he's now the play caller here. And that's, you know, Pep had chances to go with other teams. A lot of teams were interested in him. And people say, oh, he stayed because so his son's a great high school quarterback. Well, they play high school football in other states. I think he stayed because he really likes Davis Mills. He wanted to work with Davis Mills. I think he's good friends with Lovey. They go way back. Lovey let him hire the coaches he wanted on his side of the ball. It's letting him put together the offense the way he wants it done. So it's a really good situation. And if Davis Mills improves the way they think he will, that puts Pep Hamilton closer to realizing his ultimate goal of being a head coach in the NFL. And he's got a good chance to do it because this team is going up. And I don't think they're going to go uh I think they're going to be baby steps again this year. I picked them six and eleven. And I've been saying for a while now, I think in 2023, they'll be a wild card contender because they're going to have another plethora of draft choices. John Mechie, the third back as a slot receiver, like another second-round pick, and they're going to have money to spend under the cap by Nick Casario to go get a couple of legitimate starters for need position. And this year you want to see improvement. And, of course, it starts with Mills picking up where he ended off last year. He didn't really impress me in preseason, but there were a lot of players being held out. They kept a lot of things under wraps that they're going to call, of course. But on Sunday, those wraps come off. It'd be great for the Texans if they got the ball and scored on their first series and got the fans worked into a frenzy.
2: General, you've been going to opening games of the season you know, for as long as you've been covering the NFL. What – two parter one what's the most exciting thing about a season opener second question what are you looking forward to the most about this Texans season opener
1: john the, there's so many storylines throughout the offseason OTAs training camp and preseason and we think we know certain things and we think we don't know because they've kept things uh, from us as they should have but now everything is going to be out there. We're going to see Derek Stingley Jr. and Jalen Petrie playing together for real. We're going to see Jonathan Gennard, their best pass rushers, capable of 12 or 13 sacks if he can stay healthy. We're going to see Jerry Hughes, Fountain of Youth, coming back home to Houston. We're going to see uh, Damian Pierce. I saw a I saw a tweet from somebody I didn't know last week who said, I can remember what it was like to be a fan before Damian Pierce went into the Hall of Fame. And I <laughs> thought that was hilarious because for a guy with 11 carries, he does get a lot of attention. I wrote a column for galleriesports.com this week about him and the running game and the offensive line and and what it can mean to this franchise. I think he's got a chance to break Steve Slayton's rookie Rushing record in 2008 of like 1,200-something and something yards. I think he has a chance to be the third rookie with Slayton and Dominic Davis, uh, they, to be the third rookie to gain 1,000 yards. And if he stays healthy, he's got a chance to be the second best running back in history because when Arian Foster started against the Colts, nobody knew what they had. Texans certainly didn't because after his rookie year, in which he had like two starts at the end or something like that, they used a second-round pick on Ben Tate.
0: If he has over 1,200 yards, based on last year, that would put him at least fifth in the league, maybe fourth or higher. Look, we'll see how it goes, obviously. We're all looking forward to seeing what happens. And I get what you're saying. There's been so much written and said about the players. I think – actually johnny i have to give us a little credit here we've been very tempered about it hey let's see how it goes but we've been talking about the positive things as they occur and there were many for pierce because he played three possessions in the preseason had 11 carries 86 yards they scored on two of the three possessions he scored a touchdown on one of them and that was pretty good stuff that was pretty good production so we'll see where it goes Uh, General, obviously everybody's looking around the league for everything that's happening this week, and we'll get back to the Texans in a moment here. But tonight, the season gets going with the Rams and the Bills. Who do you have?
1: I'm going with the Rams because I think since they started this, of having the defending Super Bowl champion play at home, they're like 10-2. And Buffalo, of course, everybody's picking to win a Super Bowl. Josh Allen to be the MVP. I picked. The Chargers to win the Super Bowl with Justin Herbert to be the MVP. And I thought I'd be different. Now I see a lot of people picking the Chargers. But the Rams, yep. how many? They've got so much talent. They added Bobby Wagner at linebacker, Allen Robinson at wide receiver. The only thing that might derail them, and I think they'll win the division, is that elbow issue with Matthew Stafford. He's had a procedure. He's had shots. They say it feels good, but they're they're very cryptic about it, and we'll find out. He said himself it was better than last year, but that team is loaded. They might even have a chance because the NFC is so mediocre compared to the AFC without the depth that they can go back to the Super Bowl and have a chance to defend that title uh, for the first time since the Patriots after the 2004 season.
2: General, that Rams team. There's no doubt. You just laid out a lot of the talent. But a story that I think Schefter put out there, Adam Schefter from ESPN. put a story out today saying that Aaron Donald had submitted a reti- his retirement papers to the Rams. The Rams accepted him. Then they slept on it and said, "Now tear him up. I'm coming back." And he obviously got his contract. A, do you think that was some contract maneuvering by Aaron Donald? B. If there's no Aaron Donald, even for how good that team is, how much does it change for the Rams?
1: First of all, you don't file retirement papers in the NFL. That's a fallacy. And so by his agent filing it with a league, it was a ploy for the Rams. The Rams were going to give him a new contract all along because they gave new contracts to a lot of people that help them win a Super Bowl. That's the way an organization is supposed to be run. Did they fall for that? I'm sure they were rolling their eyes and, and grabbing their stomachs, laughing that they thought Aaron Donald was actually going to retire at the top of his game. What's he going to do? Go back to Pitt and be an NGA? Give me a break. And if he weren't playing, they'd still be the best team in the NFC West. I'm not sold on the Niners with Trey Lance, I'm not sold on the Cardinals with Kyler Murray having to play without DeAndre Hopkins. For the first six games, he did not play well without options. At the end of last year, Christian Kirk, his other leading receiver, is gone. He's got Hollywood Brown. He didn't want to be in Baltimore, even though he had like 92 catches. But um, I I just don't see them as being a threat. Although if they win early, which I don't think they will without Hop, they're going to fold at the end because that's what Cliff Kingsbury's teams always do, going all the way back to Texas Tech.
0: John, are the Jaguars going to win in Washington this week?
1: No, oh, I'm picking Washington. The Jaguars, everybody has the number. I still don't understand this. And I've told everybody, and I may may get, get drowned in a river somewhere after the season, take the over on the Texans at four and a half. I just don't understand it. And then all these people that have the Jaguars, winning a couple more games than Texans. Maybe they will. But until they actually beat the Texans, I think it's been so long. I used to have hair the last time they beat uh, the Texans, and which was 2017. And I just – I don't know. I don't think they're going to win. I'll, I'm sure Trevor Lawrence will be improved under Doug Peterson. They still got a lot of issues. General, spicier
2: homecoming, uh, kind of browns at panthers for the baker mayfield bowl or russell wilson going back to seattle to take on the seahawks
1: there's not a bad blood with russell wilson i mean he wanted to be traded he wanted to go to denver he had a no trade clause he gets this unbelievable extension means he's got a five-year extension on top of the last two years of his contract they'll give him a standing ovation for minutes there'll be a tribute to him and then The Browns going against Baker Mayfield. Cleveland's got a good defense. The Browns have a great running game. I expect them to go in there and control the ball and beat up on the Panthers and get after Mayfield big time.
0: Panthers win that game. Let's talk next week and compare notes, see how it all went. Steelers at the Bengals I think is very interesting, General. A lot of people are high on what Mitchell Trubisky can do. Not that he's going to be great, but good enough to help that Steeler win with their – the Steeler team win with their defense. Your thoughts on that one?
1: Bengals went to the Super Bowl. Bengals had one weakness, their offensive line. They made several moves to fortify the line. They're healthy. They got weapons galore. I'm going with the Bengals.
2: John, Lamar Jackson set Friday as the deadline. You buying that?
1: So, say Friday comes and goes, and he says, all right, no negotiations till after the season. And next week they say, we'll give you $231 million guaranteed. Oops, where do I sign? Of course I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> and people think he's negotiating his contract. He's not negotiating his contract any more than Laramie Tunsil did. They got advisors. They pay by the hour to do that for them.
0: All right, General, uh, the Packers are going to be at the Vikings this week, and the Buccaneers play the Cowboys on Sunday night. And you were mentioning the NFC and the perceived weakness of this conference. Well, the Packers, do they take a big step back this year? You know that Matt LaFleur wants to run the ball, but they're losing Adams and all the young receivers and everything going on there with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, do they take a bigger step back than, say, the Buccaneers might? Who's going to be better at the end of the year?
1: Uh, the Packers, because they're 7-1 without Devontae Adams and averaged 31 points a game. They really missed him and uh, when he was out. and Brady's got a lot of issues. They're saying he and Giselle are not living together. She's mad because he came back out of retirement. He's got distractions. He's got problems up the middle. Dak Prescott's played really well against the Buccaneers. I'm taking Dallas in that game. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Vikings don't pull the upset. And then everybody thinking Kevin O'Connell and uh, the Vikings are going to dethrone the Packers, and then the Packers will run away with the division again. Clearly, the better quarterback is Eric Rodgers, and I think he's not going to be the MVP for third year in a row, but I don't know why anybody would think his performance was going to be diminished when he lost Jordy Nelson. Everybody's like, oh, my God, what's he going to do without Jordy Nelson? Well, he's MVP two years in a row
2: general i don't want you to give too much up but in the afc what are your four division winners
1: colts ravens they would be two new ones and uh the uh chargers that would be another new one and then in the uh afc East, i'm taking buffalo because how could you not how can anybody take new england or miami i can't wait to see if the patriots have been playing possum with their offense in the preseason and everybody up there is pulling their hair out and all of a sudden they're going to be better but it's weird that bill belichick did not replace josh mcdaniels with a proven coordinator or at least a proven quarterback coach for mac jones you know think think if uh levy smith said you know what Lovey was there, and he wasn't the head coach. And they say, Lovey, we want you to coach the quarterback. Now, I've never known a defensive coach that didn't think they knew everything about quarterbacks. But it just seems kind of preposterous. I mean, they've got guys, fired head coaches, who are coaching that kid. Some people think Belichick will be calling the plays. What will
0: be the biggest upset this week? Can the Giants defeat the Tennessee Titans? Would nope. that possibly happen? If the Jets beat the Ravens at home with Joe Flacco, that seems like a pretty big upset. Obviously, the Cardinals beating the Chiefs at home would be an upset. What do you think? Do you have anything in mind here, or are you going to go straight chalk?
1: If I'm not picking an upset, but if the Jets with Joe Flacco beat the Ravens, fans would go ballistic at Lamar Jackson and say he's distracted. He should have <laughs> signed the contract. They're going to blame him. And, you know, you go to coaching, who are you going to take? Robert Sala in his second year or John Arbaugh? Now, they don't play, of course, but those organizations that are tried and true, uh, give me give me them. Now, the Titans are playing at home. The Giants, Daniel Jones is playing for a new contract somewhere, probably won't be back with the Giants unless they franchise him. It wouldn't surprise me considering the Titans have lost A.J. Brown to Philadelphia, and Harold Landry to a knee injury if they start off slow. And, of course, the Colts, Frank Reich has never won a first game. And I did a podcast up there today in Indy, and they're thinking that the Texans are going to be their slump busters. But who knows? Maybe the Colts have a hangover from that Jacksonville loss. I think Jim Mersey, after that Jacksonville loss, put both Frank Reich and Chris Ballard on notice. So there's a lot of pressure on the Colts to bounce back, start well, and prove that they are a different team.
2: General, the Arizona Cardinals start the season with the Chiefs. They go to Las Vegas for the Raiders. They play the Rams at home. They go to Carolina. They play Philly. And they play at Seattle. Those are the six games they'll play without DeAndre Hopkins. We know that Cliff Kingsbury starts off the year typically well and then doesn't close well. Could there be some noise in Arizona about Cliff Kingsbury's future in those first six games for Arizona?
1: Absolutely. If they, if they come out of the gate and struggle, even though I expect it without Op and without Christian Kirk, J.J. Watts day-to-day, Chandler Jones is gone. It won't surprise me if they stumble out of the gate this year. And there will be a lot of people that say Cliff Kingsbury's on the hot seat. And maybe this will be different. He'll start slow and finish fast when Op comes back after that six-game suspension.
0: All right, General Sports Radio, 610 tomorrow. Your stuff in galleriesports.com. We really appreciate the visit and look forward very much to hearing you on the pregame show on Sunday as we get ready to rock for 2022.
1: Mark and John, thank you guys very much. I appreciate you guys having me on for another season. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Going to be a lot of fun indeed. All right, coming up. We will talk about some of the matchups. Johnny and I break some of the stuff down. He'll do his official picks tomorrow, but I want to bat some of these games around. There's some injuries that are going to play a part as well. And with the Texans taking on the Colts, some of the nuances of the matchup. And is tonight the last huge Thursday night TV rating we get all year? We'll tell you why that might be. It's Texans Radio. Stay tuned for more on the Houston Texans and the NFL on Texans All Access.
2: What if your preferred hospital
0: could also be your primary care provider? At Houston Methodist, we go beyond hospital care, offering you everything from flu shots to well-woman exams to managing your weight and cholesterol. And our primary care doctors and specialists are connected all across
2: the city. So whatever the need, wherever you live, we can be there for you.
0: Visit HoustonMethodist.org to find the care you need at locations throughout Houston. Houston Methodist. Leading Medicine. Leading Medicine. Leading Medicine. Leading Medicine. medicine. We return to Texans Radio. All right, Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. Johnny, Texans quarterbacks who won... Their first start, opening day. Well, their first opening day start. I'll word it that way. Their first opening day start. And obviously that would be the case for Mills because he started week three last year, came in in the second half of week two. So David Carr won September 8, 2002. Yep. Matt Schaub won in 2007. He won his first start. Wait, go back for something. What's that? What day did David Carr sure. get it? His win? Sept 20 years ago tonight.
2: It's a 20-year it anniversary of beating tonight. the Cowboys. How about that? It ho- it's 1910
0: wow. day. Wow. It's 1910 day, and it's that was the score of the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a while, I never had to remind people of that, but now you do because, you know, like we have interns working in our digital media department. They're like, huh? what does 1910 mean right yeah it's like in texas history 1836 what does that mean if you're not from here you don't get it right away right and with the texans 1910 what does that mean that's a significant score i don't remember scores you know people think i'm all geeked out with this like photographic memory of past texans games and i kind of do have one but It's more for how it kind of played out, who won, who lost, what were the storylines. I don't always remember the score, but that one you're always going to remember. Anyway, Schaub in 2007, Texans beat the Chiefs. Andre Johnson had a 70-plus touchdown reception, 70-plus yard touchdown reception his longest of his career at that point. He hadn't gone over 55, and it wasn't his fault. Uh, Let's see. The next quarterback to start on opening day for this team didn't Happened till 2014 when Fitzy won Fitzy. his opening day start. Yeah, yeah. Brian Hoyer did not. Okay, because that was 2015. Brock did. Brock did. He won his opening day start against the Chicago Bears. And check this out. You know, I know that we've talked about this over the years. Brock was two and zero against the Colts. Best winning percentage against the Colts in Texans mm. history. For quarterbacks, obviously, shop. You're, oh, right right <laughs> you're walking
2: right into it right now. You're walking right into it. Their fans going, "Why?" I mean, I know you're spitting know, facts, I but know. you're stoking the embers. I know. A little I know. Bit. It wasn't because of. Although, uh, well, look, I could the, say the, the first, first one was win that, that he, he had.
0: had well, the first, the first win he had on Sunday Night Football, where they came back. That was Brock playing well in the fourth quarter, okay, and overtime. Brock played well in that game. I will stick to that. Now, the one they won later that year up there wasn't exactly a dynamic performance by Brock. That was a great defensive performance by the Texans. I mean, they really did the job in that one. Anyway. uh Davis Mills has a chance to win his first opening day start when he takes on the Colts on Sunday. Let's do who's better here game style as we go over some of these contests, Johnny. And I've asked you a version of this, but I'm going to do it again. Who's better as far as the quarterback high-end rental for the Colts? Phillip Rivers at his best, okay, for Indy, not in his career. Carson Wentz at his best for Indy. Remember, they were going good for a while last year. Or Matt Ryan, whatever his best will be. Who's the best
2: of those three? Do it. I really hope it's not Matt Ryan. I really hope it's not because if it is, <laughs> oh boy. Now the the uh, I don't think it will be. I I I thought they they re- achieved
0: a very nice level with Carson Wentz when they were humming along there until the wheels fell off against the Raiders and the Jaguars late.
2: I would rather face Carson Wentz on Sunday than I would Matt Ryan. And there's a part of me that can't believe I'm going to say that. But I really don't mind facing Ryan from the standpoint of it's the first time running that offense for a full 60 minutes. And it's not like Matt Ryan is sitting there with Muhammad Sanu and Julio Jones and Austin Hooper. He's got guys that are good. Michael Pittman's a really good receiver. He's not a Julio Jones. Alec Pierce is a rookie. He's never played in a game. Although I do think Alec Pierce is going to be very good. You never know what happens in the opener. And Mole Alley-Cox is certainly not a hooper. So it's not like Ryan is just jumping into this, you know, truly pass catcher utopia. I think that Matt Ryan is going to have to rely a little bit on Jonathan Taylor. And I think that this defense, like it would against Phillip Rivers. Now the one thing about Phillip, Phillip got the ball fast. Talking to the guys that rushed Phillip, they—I mean, I remember DJ Reader talking about—he's like, "Man, he gets rid of the ball so quick." So that was the one thing about playing Rivers, whether he was with the Chargers or with the Colts, he was—the ball was going to come out. There are guys that would just barely miss sacks. I think Matt will hold it a little bit longer, but if, I don't—I wouldn't Ooh. be surprised if he checks it down early to Jonathan Taylor, and the Texans' second, third-level defenders have just got to rally to him and make tackles out in space. So. From that perspective, the I would probably say tougher to face Philip Rivers, just because he had that gamer quality. Man, I just, he always scared me that he was going to do something at the end of a half or the end of the game to find a way to get a win somehow, some way. Yeah, something um,
0: spectacular. Yes,
2: yeah. he was going to yeah. do something, and he didn't always do it. But I always felt that way with him because he always had that club in his bag. Matt Ryan, I feel. You know, confident he's he's going to be a good solid 7, 7.5 uh, at this point in his career. I just hope we can take him down to a 6 or a 6.5 with his pass rush. And Matt Pryor's playing left tackle, and Danny Pinter's playing right guard. And those are two areas in which the Texans can't exploit with John Grenard rushing, with Jerry Hughes rushing, with Malik Collins rushing inside. Those are matchups they can't exploit and need to to get Matt Ryan on the move or to shake him up and throw it early, so I would say Rivers of those three, I wouldn't mind facing Wentz because he was just a, a he was a meltdown waiting to happen. If they had brought him back in Week One, oh my goodness, it would have been awful. I mean, the first time he went three and out, it would it, it would be a problem. So I would say in order Rivers, then Ryan, then Wentz.
0: Okay, let's do this. Who's better? Better chance to win Carolina hosting Cleveland, or Seattle hosting Denver? Better chance to win. Carolina. Both teams
2: at home, both underdogs at home. I like them, too. Yeah, I like Carolina. And and it's not so much Baker getting revenge or anything like that, but I just feel like, and we saw Carolina last year in Week 3. Now, in that game, J.C. Horn went down with an injury. But... If Christian Christian McCaffrey also had issues, I think it was today, with an injury. So, don't know if he's going to be ready to go. But if McCaffrey is healthy and J.C. Horn is healthy and they've already got Derek Brown and Brian Burns and um, D.J. Moore, Robbie Anderson, that's a really talented team. And they had Iki Aquano on the offensive line where they needed to have some offensive line help. And now you put in Baker. I don't know how much more competent he is than Sam, but if Baker's... You know, wound the way we think he's going to be. He's going to be dialed in on Sunday against the Browns, and the Browns starting Jacoby Brissett. I mean, look, Jacoby, we've seen him a n- numerous times. And Jacoby can be very hit or miss. Jacoby can hold on to the football, and if you're going to hold on to the football against that pass rush, you're going to have issues. Um, I think the Panthers are are really, and that's why the, the push for Deshaun Watson wasn't surprising, that's a really talented squad that if it gets the right proper quarterback play, whether it's Baker or anybody else, I think they can be in this thing, especially in the NFC South, where you never know what's going to happen with Brady, and the Saints don't have it settled at quarterback, and the Falcons are still they're kind of back at square one. So the Panthers could be there, but I, you know, just Baker, I don't know. But in this one, if Baker just relaxes and plays, and I don't know if he can do that. If he just relaxes, settles in. I think the Panthers can pull that upset. Uh, Seattle with Geno you know, Smith, like, you can miss me with that, Mark. You can just forget that.
0: Okay. Texans fans, got to root for the Browns to lose every game. For obvious reasons, that improves your draft mm-hmm. stock because they possess one of your two first-round picks next year. McCaffrey cut a shin, an injury on his shin. A cleat caught it and cut it, mm-hmm. and he's still practicing, apparently, so – He should still be available. What about Shaq Leonard? What about Shaq Darius Leonard? Because he was, as McLean said, a full participant yesterday, limited today. I like the direction this is headed in. For his own safety, Johnny, I'm not wishing injury on anybody. I think
2: he needs to stay safe and not play. Uh, (laughs) I mean, they've got, I think it's the Jags next, if I remember correctly. I can see them. Gosh. Thinking, look, let's buy you two more weeks. We can handle the Texans, we can handle the Jags. We need you for week three. I think week three is the Chiefs, if I remember correctly. I could see them trying to pull that off. And hey, let's get you at practice. Let's get you kind of in a lather. Let's see how you feel and how you uh regen after practice. But no games for the first two weeks. We'll get you and keep you ready for the Chiefs. Now if they pull that off and come out of there 2-0, and I mean, it'll be a masterful stroke. I'm believing he's playing until I see the inactive list that says Shaquille Darius Leonard not playing, not active. The question I asked McClain earlier, and I'll ask you the same thing, that defense without Leonard, sure, they got Buckner, they got Grover Stewart, Pay, and Ngakwe, and Stumpfong Gilmore, Kenny Moore is just a dude. Julian Blackman is one of the more underrated safeties in the league. But without 53... That's a different unit because of everything he brings to it. That's a different defense without Shaquille Leonard. So I'm going with the fact that he's playing. But, Mark, if he's not there, how much does it change? Oh, I, obviously it changes. You know, I think
0: either way – look, everyone's going to be so hyped up. It's opening day, and that's one thing. The energy is sky high. Everybody, fans, players alike, everybody's so juiced. Uh, but then you got to play – you know, a few snaps, and all of a sudden it's football again, right? Yep, Settle right. into the game. Leonard settles in in a way that you don't like as the opponent. <laughs> Gets turnovers, rallies his team, motivates them, got a lot of energy. It feeds the other players. I don't like it one single bit. Him not playing would be a huge help obviously let's see how it plays out all right we have one more segment a couple of more games i want to get to plus that thursday night topic because tonight obviously an nbc tilt and it's live right here when we are done but man these monster thursday night ratings where are they going to go after this week when things go digital we'll talk about it and then some here on texans radio texans radio continues in a moment If you've wanted to buy Bitcoin but didn't know how to get started, try BitWallet, the official digital currency wallet of the Houston Texans. Go to the website BitWallet.org and download the BitWallet app and you'll get started right away with the fastest, simplest way to buy Bitcoin with your debit card. It's Houston founded and based. BitWallet has a platform for individuals and businesses with no fees and no chargebacks. BitWallet.org. BitWallet. Org BitWallet. Texans Radio is back. Oh, we're having such a good time tonight. NFL opener this evening with the Bills and the Rams and Texans. Cold Sunday at noon, NRG Stadium. Tickets on the Texans app and HoustonTexans.com. There are some left. It's Liberty White kickoff. It is huge. And I can't wait. I can't wait. Presented by Community Coffee. And I don't need any because I am just so fired up for this thing this weekend and this game tonight. All the games, but obviously the most important ones with the boys in deep steel blue. Johnny, Thursday night football tonight. So, so people understand this. Tonight is an NBC broadcast. It's really Sunday Night Football on Thursday. Sometimes they actually call it Sunday Night Football when they're on another night, which right. is weird. You've seen that over the years, Monday Night Football on a Thursday. They still call it Monday Night Football because they want the branding and all the graphics are branded that way. Whatever. But it's Tarico tonight, Mike Tarico on the play-by-play. He now is in the main seat in the number one show on television, Sunday Night Football, and it will call tonight's game. After tonight, it's all Amazon all the time, unless your team is in the game, meaning the Texans and Eagles, November 3rd, Battle Red Night. That will be on Fox 26. They got rights to do the game locally, and it will also be on Amazon. So it's kind of weird, uh, but understandable. So every Thursday night game that's not involving the Texans, which is everything but one week, You're going to be logging on to Amazon after this week because this is the opener. Everybody following along, there will be a quiz on this later. But, Johnny, the rating nationally for the Texans 49ers in the preseason, not so hot. Locally, it was good, but not so hot nationally. And by not so hot, I mean around a million people watch this game on Amazon. I'm a little concerned about some of the old timers. That would not include me, ladies and gentlemen. But some of the people are less savvy about, hey, where's the game? What's the game on? If it's not on my channel guide, does it even exist? Where am I going to find it? What do you think of that as we move forward into next week?
2: I think that is a very important thing uh, that, that needs to be considered. Well, just get on your computer and, uh, and go to this and do that, and you'll be fine. And that's just not the, way that, um, that's not the way that it goes for a lot of people. Some people don't even know how to turn on a computer. Yeah. If you told Harris the senior, <laughs> "Hey, pops, games on Amazon. You good with that?" He'd look at me like, yep, how do I get it? Where do I go?" <laughs> what,
0: so, what do you mean? Do yeah, I to buy mean, like a toothbrush or something. Like, right?
2: Yeah. Like, what am I doing? Amazon.com. Like, what do I do? It's this Amazon Prime thing. <laughs> like, what? What? J-Bird, what? How? Where's the game? Um. So yeah, there's there's definitely going to be some of that. Um. However. I think e- even in our business what are we always asking ourselves how do we get to the young folks not to say that the mm-hmm. the older I mean the 50 somethings and plus and over that we are now um you know don't matter but the younger crowd does mm-hmm. and how do you get to the younger crowd well you go to them and where are they where are they mm-hmm. they're streaming they're on YouTube um and it, it was you always say this about um about Luke, you know, one-man focus group. I mean, growing up with my, my daughter and son, and my son was so technologically advanced, when my daughter knew what was hot, I would look over there, and I'm like, what are you watching? She's like, oh, I'm watching YouTube. And just on YouTube all the time. Yeah. I'm like, well, and so then... For hours. Yeah, and then for about an hour, about a year later, I found myself doing it. I I turn on my Apple TV, I stream <laughs> everything now, and I'm on YouTube, and I find everything yeah. I'm looking for, and it, does, and it just it sends you down wormholes. But the point being... They're always looking for the younger crowd. So Amazon can't get antsy in some sense. Well, wait, these numbers aren't that good. Just give it time. Give it time because more younger people yeah. will be streaming and they'll find it. And at that point, maybe they can do something for the the you know 50-somethings, maybe the octogenarians out there looking for it. I don't know how they're going to do that, but I think if they can help them do that, then maybe what older folks will find is – hey, this isn't that bad. It's just different. And maybe that's where it goes. But I, oh, I am a little concerned from that. But, yeah, I think they'll, they'll be okay.
0: Yeah, they'll promote the daylights out of it starting next week. I think they don't want to confuse the issue this week because this yeah, is yeah. the opener and people are used to watching it on NBC and all of that. So this will be a huge number tonight. And then next week, I would imagine I have Xfinity, of course. Xfinity, I love them. And the channel guide, I still love my channel guide. I bet they – I bet Amazon purchases one of those little bands in the channel guy where you can click there and that will send you to the Amazon app. And if you're not Uh, a member, if you're not logged in, uh, they'll ask you to log in. If you are logged in, it will just pop up and the game will be right there. But we'll see how they handle it. Uh, There's a lot of work to do between now and then. Most importantly on Sunday with the Texans taking on the Colts. I cannot wait for this. Wait, quick thought here, thumbnail thought, Titans and Giants. You know, we talked a bit about the – about the Jaguars getting together with Washington in the nation's capital, but you have the Titans and the Giants. Man, I would love to open with the Giants. Can't do it, but we'll play them in November at the Meadowlands. That'll be cool. Do you give the Giants a snowball's chance in this one?
2: No. Okay, me, just check. I said it with more vitriol. No, I think, look, I do think no. Saquon Barkley bounces back. I just don't believe in Daniel Jones. I didn't. Belie- I believed in Daniel Jones being a tough, gritty dude at a, as a quarterback. I didn't see him being an NFL starting quarterback that was going to have major success. And uh, But I love his grit, his toughness, those things. Yeah, I like that about him, but I just don't see him leading that team. And who's he thrown it to? Lazy Kenny Galladay? Kadarius Toney, who couldn't stay healthy last year? Uh, Sterling Shepard's really the only receiver they've got at this point that's really kind of worth the darn. So. I think the Giants are building. I just don't think he's the right guy. I hope Saquon bounces back. And defensively, um, you know, is Thibodeau ready to go? Probably not. So we're, like, what scares you defensively? So I think the Titans will kind of methodically get through that one, like a 21-10 to kind of game. I think they'll just methodically get through it. But I think what will happen, mark my words, like it did mm-hmm. with Clemson, Kay Kubnik came in and replaced DJ Uyunglele in Clemson's game on Monday and created all kinds of havoc. The the Titans will do that with Willis. They'll put him in at some point, and he's going to do something, and it's going to get everybody in Nashville all in a tizzy. That's what I want to see happen. I want strife and unrest and tension
0: in Nashville, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Texans called Sunday noon. Can't wait. Thank you, Johnny. We'll talk about it some more tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. Lovey Smith right out of the chute with his thoughts on the matchup and then a whole bunch of other great stuff tomorrow evening. Go to the Texans app and the website for all the articles, videos, all the great stuff about this matchup and the season to come. Ticket information as well. Have a great evening. Thank you, Chris, for producing. Go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Two is better than one. How many times have you heard that one? More than once, I bet, because it just adds up. For example, there are two, not one, great reasons to fill up with Chevron with Tecron. Number one, unbeatable cleaning power. And number two, or maybe this should be number one, unbeatable mileage. Plus, Chevron puts Tecron in every grade, every gallon of their gasoline. So that's two, no wait, three unbeatable reasons to go with the one and only Chevron with Tecron. Care for your car.